What's happening and welcome to another Crossroads Connect podcast. Here we discuss everything from current Crossroad events to trending topics to how we can reconcile God's truth with the real world we live in. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Pastor Jared. I'm sitting here with Pastor Matt, and today we have with us uh, Reverend Rodney Perry from Central Baptist in Denver. And uh, man, we're just excited to be able to gather together and, and have a little conversation. There's a lot going on in the world today, as all of you, I am most certain, are aware, uh, specifically with uh, just uh, all of the different writing and, and racial issues that are happening surrounding Joyd Floyd. Joyd? George, George Floyd. Floyd. There we go. Yeah. And uh, man, we just, we wanted to have an open and honest conversation today about uh, what's really going on. And uh, really as, as followers of Jesus, what is our responsibility? How are we so, to love our neighbor as ourselves in a way that is helpful and good and helps us to move in a positive direction? And so uh, thank you so much, Rodney, for being here. And uh, I would love for uh, you just to let us know a little bit about who you are and where you're from and, and what you do and, and all of the goods about Mr. Rodney. Thank you, Jared, and uh, thanks, Matt, for having me today. Yeah. I am uh, currently the pastor of the Central Baptist Church, which is the second oldest African-American Baptist church here in the Denver metro area. I've been there uh, almost uh, five years, um, and uh, prior to that, I pastored the Greater St. John Baptist Church in Denver for 18 and a half years. Uh, been privileged to meet and to know Matt for the last seven uh, to eight years. Through. You can be honest. We're being open and honest with you. Oh, we are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. It's a privilege. Yeah. I was just making it sure is, it's it a, pri- a okay, privilege. Okay, good. Okay, good. Um, uh, through the American Baptist Churches of the Rocky Mountain. Uh, And so uh, we're privileged and honored to be here. Uh, My wife, Sheila, uh, of 32 years, and uh, my son, RJ, are very much involved in the ministry. And so I'm really, really blessed to have those uh, individuals working alongside of me uh, in ministry. And uh, we're just looking forward to to moving forward. Uh, I know that our world has a lot that's happening today. And uh, with that, uh, I think all of us have been called uh, to responsibility to to help ma- manage and navigate this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Rodney said, we've we've known each other for a good seven years and have formed a really good friendship over yeah. those seven years, and uh, not just through ministry, but also just through life. And so uh, that you're here with us today is is a cool thing. So thank you for doing that. My privilege. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, so we just really wanted to talk uh, with you, Rodney, and uh, want to give you space. And uh, really a big deal for us is to to hear from you and to really understand uh, the black community and, and understand what is our what is our role in helping to initiate the change that is needed. Um, and it's uh, we really want to uh, not just feel empathy, but uh, actually stand to action. And, and what what does that look like? What is our role? And, and really, uh, maybe we could just start with uh, helping us understand uh, where, where are you at personally with everything that's going on? And tell us a little bit about how you're feeling and, and what uh, your response is to, to George Floyd and what is your response to, to things going on in Denver with, with protests and rioting and, and everything that's going on. I, I would just love just to open it up and, and, and hear from you. Great. 
Um, I, I think like most Americans, uh, we're shocked, uh, and in particular from the black perspective, uh, we're shocked that it is a repeated action uh, that seems to go unchecked. And so I think uh, George Floyd's uh, death and um, the response that you see is a result of uh, saying, we're exhausted, we're tired, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, accountability uh, now has to be registered. And so I think that's uh, the response that you're, you're seeing uh, across the nation, but not only the nation, uh, the world has now chimed in. And so uh, with that, um, as an African-American male, uh, the, the racism that has been a part of the institution of America uh, has to be um, be checked. Uh, I think I used the term in a previous conversation that really the conscience of America has been disrobed. So now that uh, regardless to what your ethnicity is, you have to deal with the fact that, hey, this is a problem mm -hmm. in America. And uh, I want to applaud you all for at least having the conversation to say, what is my role in helping to right the wrong mm -hmm. that has been levied uh, against the African American community, in particularly, and um, in in uh, in this in this current climate, Rodney, um, can I ask you a quick question? Sure. Um, I would. Is there? How has racism affected you personally? Uh, I'm sure that there are several stories uh, of things in your own life <laughs> of, of how how I mean before it's becoming a public thing it's something that you you've carried with you in your life and I'd love just to hear for, uh, an actual sure. story from from your life sure I'm uh, I'm from a rural part of Arkansas uh, <laughs> which is next door to Mississippi which is is dubbed as the most racist state mm. in the in the Union uh, and so literally my home was 30 minutes away from the Mississippi border uh, and so uh, racism was very much a part of my upbringing. Uh, as most Americans, our parents taught us how to navigate that, how to uh, emerge into society, uh, to cause as less friction as you could, but yet be, uh, be an individual and not be mishandled uh, because of the racism that was uh, so uh, prevalent. Uh, in in our upbringing, uh, but I've seen racism on on every level, whether it's uh, through economics, whether it's through uh, opportunity, um, whether it's through just uh, sheer um, um, uh, verbiage uh, to to um, for for individuals who felt that they had the privilege uh, to uh, to exercise their their privilege against me in a negative way. Um, I let me just say that when coming to Colorado. I, I think I was more able to deal with the racist, racism in Arkansas than I was here. Mm -hmm. uh, in Arkansas, it was open. Uh, it wasn't hit. In, um, in Colorado, I discovered that it was there, uh, but it was masked. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, during uh, my uh, 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 gainful employment uh, with a very viable company, uh, I experienced that in the job uh, market where uh, I gave leadership to a project that was uh, asked of us by our immediate director. Uh, I worked on that project solely and won uh, the, the measurements that we were seeking in that project. Uh, and um, then afterwards, the manager asked us to engage in another project. And uh, I asked her if it was mandatory. She said it wasn't. Um, and so I told her I'd like to excuse myself, mm. but as a result of that project, which, and, and let me just say my counterparts were, 
uh, were white uh, uh, individuals, both male and female. Uh, it was a team of four of us who uh, was responsible for the four quadrants of the United States in our particular department. Um, they did another project. After the, at the end of that project, these people were awarded a uh, a company wide award with an all paid vacation uh, to one of the Carolina resorts. Mm. Uh, and I was not informed about this. Mm-hmm. I, I learned about it in the company wide meeting. Mm-hmm. Wow. And um, and so as a result, I resigned my position with that company. The ironic thing is, is that supervisor, one of the guys that was on that team, died about four or five years ago. I had been out of the company about 16 years at that time. But she walked up to me and said, I'd never made amends to you. Mm. I felt very responsible for the way you were handled mm. uh, through, the, through that process. This was at the death of one of the team members. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then 17 years, she had been carrying that guilt. Mm. Wow. And I forgave her uh, uh, at that funeral. Mm-hmm. And said, "The Lord has been faithful, mm-hmm. <laughs> even if we haven't." Yeah, <laughs> and so, and I, re- I stand on that. Yeah, yeah. I um, I ca- I remember being here in Denver, and like you said, most of my family has roots in the South, and so mm-hmm. uh, having seen racism up front, and I mean, when I was in seminary in Louisville, the KKK marched on mm-hmm. the Louisville campus, and my wife, who's from South Dakota, mm-hmm. uh, was shocked like she didn't know the kkk really still even <laughs> existed and and marched in the south and all of that kind of stuff and and we had some open conversations with that but you're you're right when we came to colorado there's much more of a veiled racism and exactly. and i'll never forget probably five or six years ago when i was really um probably uh, most awakened to it uh, that i was out to lunch with a mutual friend of ours a pastor mm-hmm. who's african-american and we were right here in thornton eating at the Dickies barbecue. Mm. And uh, when the server came out, uh, she would always speak to me and never to him to the mm. point where I had to ask her if uh, he could get a drink. Wow. And, um, and it just kind of opened my eyes to like the reality of, of like there, what's going on here, like mm-hmm. in that space and just really kind of wrestling with that in my, in my own life. And I think with George Floyd's death, like you said, the, I think maybe for the first time in my lifetime, and I'm almost 40, but for the first time in my lifetime of of the national conscience mm-hmm. being awakened to this yes. and going, it's not right. right. Um, you know, the aftermath and all of that, I think is, is there's being split and all of that. But when it comes to George Floyd's death, that for the first time that I can remember, um, that there is, it almost feels, well, I wasn't alive, but it seems to me in history to be kind of that Selma moment right. for my generation. Right. right. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I grew up in Denver, so I, I really like that you said that it was it's masked. Yes. I think that that's such a great way of putting it. Yes. Um, because for me growing up, uh, I always just thought, you know, racism was something in the past like it doesn't exist anymore, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because, I mean, I didn't see it um, because I wasn't in it and and that mask, it was, it was done very well to where I couldn't see the reality. Um, and, uh, so I, I think that what you said, it's been derobed. Is that the way that you put it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think disrobed. Yeah. Okay. That's fair too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think that there's a lot of truth and reality, reality to that. And, and, uh, it, even though it, it greatly, 
sucks to a big degree. Uh, it's also a, somewhat of a good thing that eyes are being opened, right? Uh, right. And that the blind can now see. Um, and so, but then that moves us into how do we respond to that, right? And so we see all of these writing and, and, and things like that. And uh, different people fall on different sides of, of it, you know, what's going on and why it's going on. And uh, I think that it's possible to maybe disagree with a particular response, but still to have understanding of why they're responding that way. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering, uh, kind of what are your thoughts on that? Um, and, and I know that Matt, you have a really good quote. Maybe you could share that quote and then Rodney, we could hear yeah. uh, from you. Yeah. So Charles Blow, who is a journalist, uh, wrote, I think it was last week in an article, he wrote this quote that just really stuck out to me. It says, when people feel helpless, like there's nothing left to lose, like their lives already hang in the balance, a wild swirling undirected rage is a logical result. You destroy people's prospects, they'll destroy your property. And um, as I kind of watch what's happening in America right now, like there's no doubt that um, ma many Americans and much of the African American community uh, has a deep feeling of despair. And it seems like despair is, is playing its hand in this space. And, and so as you hear that quote, or as you see what's going on in America is, is that, um, in terms of the black community, uh, is that what's, is that what we're seeing? Is that what's going on? I think, I think you're, you're right. And let me just, uh, for the record state that we're not about destruction. So right. uh, when you see the destructive parts that's going on in regards to this reaction, that's not what we're about. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it needs to be stated that we're about construction. But what you, what the response that you're getting is from sheer exhaustion, mm -hmm. uh, and it goes beyond just uh, the the uh, the pro police brutality and the mishandling of blacks uh, by authorities. But we're talking about racism institutionally, and uh, what we've seen is that uh, even with the pandemic, the the people that are dying at the highest rate are African-Americans. Well, that's linked to other uh, factors um, in terms of poor health care, uh, poor access to wages and jobs and uh, food, uh, food uh, deserts and things of that nature. So there's a whole ripple of effect that's that's being uh, that's being brought out. So when you when you continue to put powder in the keg, mm -hmm. you've got to know at some point if it's not harnessed or or properly handled, mm -hmm. there's going to be a spark that causes it to explode. Mm -hmm. George Floyd's life was that spark, yeah. and so you see the explosion having happened mm -hmm. because yeah. we haven't properly dealt with a lot of the other uh, outlined issues mm -hmm. that blacks are facing in America. So when you talk about exhaustion. Austin, um, you know, the pandemic. Uh, and then when you see literally on the same day that George Floyd dies, you see this incident in a New York park uh, with both last names being Cooper, mm -hmm. the male and the female. And um, the female calls, the white female calls the police and gives um, a, um, a false report against a black man, right. uh, knowing that she had some leverage if she did that. Yeah. Uh, you know, those are the kinds of things that mm -hmm. is happening. I think what you also know is that even we're using technology today, 
But a lot of this has been happening across the ages for 400 years, mm -hmm. but we have not had the technology to bring it to the forefront. Mm -hmm. And so with, the, with everybody now having computers in their hands, cameras in their hands, we're starting to see it. And so now, because more people are able to see it, uh, not down the line, but almost instantaneously, yeah. uh, then you get the level of reaction that we now mm -hmm. see. Yeah, that's why... You know, when I look at it, it almost seems like this generation's Selma moment, right? Yes. Because what was so significant about Selma was that the cameras were on mm -hmm. when when all of when that explosion happened. And sadly, the societal change of the '60s wasn't enough mm -hmm. to uh, really disrupt, in a positive way, um, <clears throat> all of the African Americans who who came after that, right? Like the institutional racism is is still there. Uh, you spoke to, um, you know, a little bit about the rioting and the looting. Um, mm -hmm. how are you encouraging people in your community, in your church, um, your family? RJ is in his early twenties, right? Right. Um, uh, how are you encouraging them to respond to this situation, to, to George Floyd's death, to the phone call of New York, I think a week before that mm -hmm. was a black man was shot running in his neighborhood. In, his ne in it, Georgia, yeah. Yeah, in Georgia. Yeah. Um, a couple of weeks well, before that was Well, it happened a couple Louisville. months earlier, but the tape was not released until yeah. two months after the, the incident. Right, so, yeah. yeah. So, like, there's a series of this and, <clears throat> right. you know, of the escalation that we've, mm -hmm. that we've all been purview to. And so when you're speaking to your church, when you're speaking to your family, what are what are the words that you're speaking to them? Well, I, I said to my congregation on Sunday uh, by way of our broadcast that we're not about destruction, we're about construction. I've had that conversation privately with my son, who uh, has a group uh, of his age and peers that uh, that they meet with regular. Uh, they are disdained by the fact that uh, that they are even viewed in the sight light of being this these rioters and mm. looters because that's not what they have been taught or trained. So yeah. it's not everybody. Yeah, I think uh, we can thank the media for that on yeah. both sides too, that, I mean, they show a little, a small little sliver of something and then paint it the whole picture yeah. of, of everybody. Right. And that goes in every single direction everywhere. Exactly, and so, you're right. Um, uh, I think that we have to be very careful with that too, just to assume that everybody is in the same boat. Yeah. And and I had to talk on the conversation with some of our peers the other day to say, now, wait a minute, it's not just black folks out here rioting. Right. And when you look at the camera mm -hmm. uh, yeah. and looting, mm -hmm. then, you know, you, you can't just do a broad stroke of the paintbrush to yep. say these are black folks that's doing this. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but you've got an outrage. I think what we can see, Matt, and I think you've alluded to it, is that um, this is our Selma moment for our generation. But I think our younger people are not as colored uh, driven Mm. As as my generation or the generation before us, but they have they blurred the lines yeah. to say, hey, this is not a black or white issue. This is a humanity mm -hmm. uh, issue, and uh, and they're responding uh, as cohorts yeah. uh, mm -hmm. to address this problem. Yeah, one of the amazing things is really the millennial generation mm -hmm. uh, really stepping up. You know, and part of that is probably because we know that millennials love activism, right? Mm -hmm. Like right. they they want to be about a cause. But I also think that just the you're right, the humanity of this, mm -hmm. and to for people to sit back and go, this this isn't right. And I think that part of the what we're talking about with the riots, how it's being cast as um, you know that all black people are mm -hmm. are doing the riots. 
probably just goes to the institutional racism that we have in the United States, right? When, when a white person does something, it's not assumed that all white people are that way. Right. (laughs) But when we watch the rioting happen and we see black people in the, in the rioting, the looting, the assumption in America is that all black people are doing that. And that's just not the case. That's not the case. That's not the case. And so, um, kind of maybe shifting the conversation. Um, let me, let me just also interject, Mac, that, uh, just because, these police in uh, Minneapolis have been uh, arrested and charged. Uh, we don't uh, hold every officer in the light of them either. Yeah, yeah. You know, not every officer or policeman or person of authority mm-hmm. is uh, is using those tactics. Right. And so we don't uh, we don't put every police officer in that bucket. Yeah. Uh, I know that the majority of them are out there literally working to serve and to protect not some of our community, but all of our community. And so yeah. I want to certainly make sure that that is uh, is a standard that we hold to as well. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I think one of the most heartbreaking pieces about all of this is I think there's been three or four black officers, police officers who have died in line. Yes. Right. Of, of this. And it's, you know, it's the very cause that they're standing for. It's, you know, what they, they want, uh, the equality as much as anybody. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're just on the other side and somehow, in all of this chaos, like you look at it and it, it, it that by that level, it doesn't make any sense in mm-hmm. terms of, of what's going on. Um, and, and just, just another incident. Uh, I don't know if you saw the college students in Georgia in Atlanta, uh, that were tased. The yes. officers mm-hmm. that tased these black people were black. Yeah, right, right. And they got fired immediately by yes. by the mayor. Yes. So, you know, wrong is wrong yes. and it needs to be addressed as such. It doesn't have to be about what color you are. Yes. Mm-hmm. If yeah. if you have perpetrated a an act of, of violence against another, you need to be held accountable. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good statement. So shifting the conversation a little bit, uh, this was a question I asked you a a little bit earlier today, but um, just in terms of your response, I think that as uh, a white male, as a white man, uh, that sometimes I feel like I'm in a lose, lose, lose situation when it comes to this. Um, You know, like I told you before that uh, if if I say as a white guy that rioting is wrong, um, then I'm standing on the opposite side of the line. If I line myself up with the Black Lives Matter um, movement, uh, then there's it's become so politicized uh, that that I lose in that situation. If um, you know I look at it and say, man, I just can't win, so I'm going to remain silent. Um, I'm deemed complicit, right? And in this of what's going on, and so. You know, I'm a pastor. Uh, I want to see social justice. I want to see racial equality uh, with blacks, with Hispanics, with whites, across the lines. And um, But honestly, I sometimes don't know where I sit or how to address the situation, you know. And, and so I think that, um, you know, in terms of our friendship, uh, I feel safe enough to ask that question to sure. you. And um, in this, because this week I made a statement in the church uh, and we, we spent time in that. And I had both sides uh, light me up a little bit for, for what I said. Mm-hmm. And I just looked at, I don't even remember who I was talking to. And it was like, you know, I, I would make that statement again, the same statement I would mm-hmm. make again. And yet at the same time, uh, like there's not a, 
I don't, I don't know how to move forward, which then I think to myself, that's probably how you feel every day of your life. Like you, right. you're always in the loose situation right. and I'm just getting a taste of that. And so maybe this is just me whining, but, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> if that's the case, you can, uh, you can tell me that. Well, let me put you in a win-win situation. Okay, good. Ooh, good. We like win-win. And, uh, that is that we operate from our position in Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christ gives us a winning platform. So that we're not operating from my position of color, my position of privilege, but we're operating from my position in Christ. Mm -hmm. And what Christ does is bring all of us under the same umbrella so that we don't have to make a judgment call based on the color of our skin, but based on our relationship in Christ. Mm -hmm. So we are all one in Christ. There's one faith, one Lord, one baptism, uh, one hope of our calling. And so we are united uh, through Christ. So I, I've i always operated from the position that I'm not uh, looking to, um, to tear down another individual. I'm always looking to build that individual up. I appreciate the skill sets of a Matt Manning. Mm. I, I, Sheila and I talk about that in the quietness of our home and the relationship that we've been able to develop. Uh, I don't see that as a color barrier. Mm. I see that as an opportunity. Uh, I like when you share what the success of a crossroads is. How can I incorporate that into a central Baptist church, an old black historic church uh, who they endure racism just to be able to be there? They never thought 124 years when they were buying property downtown that they would be in the position that they are uh, uh, today. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that was a racist uh, position because blacks were not allowed past a certain point Mm -hmm. in the city of Denver. Yeah. So uh, that story is crazy. So now it's reversed. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. So people are trying to get there where Central is now planted. Mm -hmm. But my my point to that is, is that if we operate from our position of Christ Mm -hmm. rather than... uh, our position of privilege, our position of ethnicity, uh, then we can start to overcome these these barriers. Uh, It's going to mean much for Matt Manning and Rodney Perry and others of our uh, colleagues to link arms and say, look, we're going to march together. Not only that, but to to have our congregants uh, to see that and to embrace that. Mm-hmm. Um, we did the crossroad experience, experiment with, uh, the, with the American Baptist churches. We launched that at some, in, at central watching the movie yeah. Selma. Right. Right. Uh, and I, it was a great effort, but we let it die down. I, I don't want to see another movement, uh, in the words of, of Dr. Jewel Smith of rising star. We don't need another classroom setting, right? <laughs> we right. Need, it's time to rise up mm-hmm. and yeah. to, and to engage. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so with that, um, I think this, this, uh, this moment has caused all of us to rise. How do we navigate that? Mm-hmm. Let me just say it's important from, for black people that if uh, if whites are going to come along and help us to uh, to overcome our challenge, that you don't create the package for us to plug into, mm. but that we all sit down at the table, yeah. and there's no cookie cutter mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, pattern that we we need to follow, but we need to be the ones mixing the dough in the bowl. 
and coming up with the solution to this problem. Yeah. And it's going to take whites, blacks, and every ethnicity to come together to say, this is a problem. How do we address it? Mm-hmm. Let's come to some some common um, common um, agreement to how we can approach this. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, uh, so, I mean, for, for Matt, I mean, it's, it's, it's a little bit easier for him to sit down with you mm-hmm. and to have this conversation and things like that. But what about just the average person that is going to, to you know, is a follower of Jesus and they say, man, I just, I want, I want to do something and I want to do the right thing. What would you say to that person um, that is hopefully listening uh, to this podcast that you could say, hey, here, here's a good first step. Yeah. Before you answer that, Rodney, mm-hmm. I think that just to say something about that. Sure. Like, I think the reason that it's easy for Rodney and I to sit down and have conversations on a podcast or whatever is because of the relationship that we've we've developed. And, um, that's, that's seven years of, of relationship to get to this point. And Rodney's mentioned Sheila a couple of times, and I only see her a handful of times a year, but she is one of my biggest encouragers every time she sees me. Right. And so, um, so that's what makes this easy, but, mm-hmm. but that's seven years of, of real relationship mm-hmm. building intentionally on mm-hmm. both of our sides. Mm-hmm. Right. I think Dr. King said that the most segregated hour in America is at 11 o'clock that's on right. Sunday morning. Yeah. And that's of course, when we were all worshiping at 11 o'clock, of mm-hmm. course, uh, mm-hmm. the dynamics of church have shifted since he made that statement. But I think the logist of what he was saying is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there ever was a time that there need to not be a barrier Mm-hmm. It needs to be uh, within the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, so color barriers should not be existing. Uh, so we've got to intentionally re-engage. Mm-hmm. We've got to intentionally bring our congregants together so that they can start to develop the relationship that Matt and I have uh, developed. You know, you can't, you can't know, you can't help me or you can't walk with me if you don't know me. Sure. How can two walk except yeah. they are right. in agreement? And that's true and with so everything, right? That's true I with mean, everything. Any, anything. Relationships mm-hmm. are important. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're not expecting, mm-hmm. we're not expecting the white community to just pick up and throw away everything they've done and, and adjust to our concerns. Mm-hmm. We're simply saying, let's build the relationship genuinely mm-hmm. so that we can start to uh to dispel hard the to ills that have have plagued us it's hard mm-hmm. to love your neighbor when you don't know your, know neighbor, your neighbor or talk That's to your right. neighbor You're absolutely <laughs> right mm-hmm. in terms of the uh kind of following up on that question if there was like one or two things that crossroads could do right to come alongside central uh, you know, one of the things that, that we've kind of talked about is that, you know, you are uniquely positioned, um, Mm -hmm. as an African-American pastor, as an African-American pastor of one of the most historic churches in Denver. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you happen to be kind of like in the, well, it's named central, right? In the central central part of the city. city. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, and so God has uniquely placed you and I have given thanks over the last week that God has uniquely placed you, Mm -hmm. um, where he has in that space. Uh, to uh, speak to this issue, to be a part of this issue. And so uh, Crossroads Church is hearing this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, If there was one or two things that we could do to come alongside you, uh, and central. What what does that look like? What does what does our engagement look like in that? You know, that's an interesting question, and I'm not sure I have the answer today. Yeah. Um. I uh, I I think we need to probably have some time to talk and to to really see what those dynamics look like. Um. Ironically, uh, I got a call just two days ago from a World Food um a World Food uh, 
service uh, organization that says, look, we need to partner with somebody in Denver. Mm -hmm. And my name was dropped. (laughs) And so next week we'll have a truck that's coming uh, to help service uh, the community. Uh, But what I've said to them is that I don't want this to just be uh, service to the black community, Mm -hmm. but there are people hurting everywhere. So they've made that commitment for the next seven weeks to bring a uh, a fresh food truck um, to uh, to Central. Well, we can start there because okay. I want I want Crossroad to be on board with uh, having to do that. We don't have a lot of time because it's fresh food, which means it's perishable, which yeah. means we got to once they bring the truck, we got to get it distributed. Yeah. So we've partnered with about. Uh, 12 other churches already. Mm. And I've said to that group, I want to make sure that we make sure every ethnicity is there. And mm. so I thought immediately of Crossroads oh, very cool. uh, to come alongside of that. Yeah. Maybe through efforts like that, we can start to work and develop mm-hmm. uh, relationships, get our people to know uh, one another. Mm-hmm. And so that's just a, just a starting point. But yeah. but to father that, I think we, we probably need to explore that and, mm-hmm. and come up with what's yeah. going to be healthy for both congregations. I really appreciated what you said earlier when you said it's it's not a color issue, it's a humanity issue. Yes. Um, and, and approaching it in a way that says, man, we want to give every person their humanity and their dignity and their their identity yes. and helping them to know. I mean, the reality is, is right, uh, no matter what we do, we're going to continue to have issues because of of sin in the world and because we're a fallen people. And and, and the only real solution is really seeing Jesus right. bring that healing, right? right. Um, and so, and, and that's certainly, a, to me, seems like a very common denominator for, right. for everyone sitting in this room anyway, you know? Um, and so for us to... to to hopefully start there of, of even just me individually praying through and asking God for wisdom, Lord, what does it look like right. for me to love my neighbor well? Um, and it doesn't, and I don't have to do, you know, I don't have to get up and, and, and go downtown and, and do this, you know, wild off the wall thing. I can simply, you know, help uh, deliver food, help deliver food. <laughs> I can, I can be praying for, for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I can, uh, you know, be treating people uh, as people who deserve dignity, uh, no matter who they are, where I find them. One of the things that I think is always amazing to me is that most relationships, or I shouldn't say most, but meaningful relationships, particularly in Christ, begin serve, in serving. Serving, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. You know, and that's how you and I met, right? We exactly. were both serving the region. That's right. And that friendship came out of that. And you're right. I think getting people together with this initiative right. that you're doing from Crossroads and Central and these other congregations mm-hmm. that uh, just by serving with each other, mm-hmm. you ask the question like, hey, my name is, right? And right. all of a right. sudden, it's the beginning foundations right. Of, right. of relationship. And like we said earlier, relationship ultimately changes everything exactly. because it's not a, a problem over there, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's now it's an issue of of friendship and what's going on and there's a story and all of that that happens. You know, and I think it's ironic that we are sometimes so disconnected from one another that we we can't appreciate uh, the joy and the successes of others. Mm-hmm. Neither can we experience the pain and the agony mm-hmm. that others are experiencing. Um, it's ironic that some people that I've been in conversation with said, well, hey, that doesn't affect me. It's not happening where I I live. 
And yet these are citizens of the United States. But when you look on the news and people across the continent and, uh, and, and on different continents yeah. are saying, hey, I can identify with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, it becomes that factor of humanity. Mm-hmm. It's just not right. There's something innate about us. We know it's wrong, even mm-hmm. if we are the perpetrator. Right. Right. <laughs> and uh, so how do we change that? Only. Mm-hmm through introducing yeah. the grace that God has made available yeah. we talk uh, to a all lot, of us. Um, we talk a lot at, at Crossroads. Uh, as a church, we've been talking about defining the win, right? What does it look like to win? Uh, and, and not just the big win, but little wins. And so I'm wondering, uh, from your perspective, what does a, a, a win look like? What does it look like? How can we start measuring success that, hey, we're actually going in the right direction now? Mm-hmm. Good. That's that's a good question. Um, I think when we can uh, honestly have people to search their own convictions mm-hmm. and to act on those convictions out of the again their relationship with uh, with Christ, mm-hmm. um, um, you know that's uh, that's another question. I think we're going to have to explore how mm-hmm. do we start to set the benchmarks mm-hmm. and say here are the measurables mm-hmm. that we're moving in the right direction. Uh, think, when we can, when when I can, when I can sit down with a Jared like I do with Matt and know, hey, mm-hmm. uh, I can be comfortable mm-hmm. <laughs> in having uh, a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I can also be comfortable when we don't agree, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. and know that our yeah. friendship is going to that's survive. Such a, that. That's such yes. a big piece, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, that the world certainly is telling us today that if you don't agree, you can't be friends, right. and yeah. which is just absolutely ridiculous because right. if that was true then i wouldn't be married anymore right <laughs> exactly right? right that's a great uh, example yeah uh, because the lights can't be on and off at the same yeah it's uh i just think man uh i think even today's a win in my yes. i mean being able to sit down and have a conversation right yeah. um it, it is is a good say hey we actually want to we want to explore this you know you've said that with a couple of questions mm-hmm. like i don't have the answer right now yeah but we want to work together yeah. uh, and we want to find the way forward, uh, you know, hand in hand um, as opposed to it being dictated. And Jared, I think the willingness just to engage that space mm-hmm. to say, let's, let's talk, let's, let's work through this. Let's see what the best practices will be mm-hmm. for us to get ahead mm-hmm. uh, is a, is a starting point, a strong starting mm-hmm. point. So I think we win if we can just get to the table. Yeah. And honestly, uh, I was part of just coming when I came to, to Denver, I was a part of uh, of a very progressive church then, and we would have monthly meetings with uh, with the local Jewish synagogue, mm-hmm. and we were literally sitting down and talking about the differences in terms of Christianity and Judaism and mm-hmm. uh, and community uh, um, um, dislikes and 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 all of those things. I mean, it was the most powerful thing. Mm-hmm. The thing that registered with me is my father, who grew up who was a native of Mississippi, who left Mississippi because he thought he could get a better opportunity in Arkansas. Not much different, but it was a little upgrade. Mm -hmm. Um, But he was a part of that setting. He talked about it to the day he died. Mm -hmm. He thought it was the most phenomenal thing that could ever happen, that blacks and Jews were able to sit down at the table and have meaningful discussion. Yeah. So... Uh, that impacted his life. He went back to Arkansas and he talked about that yeah. for the next 10 years before he died. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, hmm. what, am I- what happens with that if our generation 
Mm-hmm. Matt, you got young kids. Yeah. Uh, Jared, you got kids? Four of them. Four. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. What happens if that generation, I think, and they're doing a better job of it than we have. Mm-hmm. But if we can just sit down and have a meaningful conversation yeah. and, uh, again, work together to make, yeah. This, yeah. make a difference. Yeah, again, I think that coming together, uh, that's important for our kids too, right? Like mm-hmm. for them to, I mean, cause they don't know any different until they're taught different. And so, uh, for them to have experiences where they're able to, uh, to be with people of, of all different, uh, you know, ethnicities, I think it's just, there's so much value there. Uh, one of my favorite scriptures is Romans 12, right? right. Where it talks about, uh, I have to, uh, be transformed by the renewing of my mind, right? And I think that we all have this concept in our heads that I am right, right? The way that I think is right, and it's my job to convince you to think the way that I'm thinking, when the reality is is we're all supposed to submit what we think and say, God, what is actually true? And so uh, I think that uh, that's certainly something that is easily applicable to any situation, especially this one, to say, you know what? Maybe I don't have all the right answers. Maybe I don't know. And to be able to say, God, I need you to renew the way that I'm even thinking and processing information in order to be effective in, in causing good, because we, we know that ultimately all good comes through Jesus, right? And so um, I think that, that that is certainly one more practice that we can be putting on and saying, God, I need you to help me renew my mind because the things that I've been taught and the things that I feel are not right. Mm-hmm. And I know that they're not right. And so I need you to make that transformation within my own heart and soul. Yeah. One of my, one of my earnest prayers for Crossroads uh, this last week and a half has been that we would listen to the cries that are coming out before we would judge or before we would speak, you know, that we would take a posture of listening, that we would take a posture of learning uh, really to understand before wanting to be understood mm-hmm. And, uh, and that I think that if the Christians modeled that, mm-hmm. particularly white Christians modeled that, then I think that we would be so much further, like you said, in the little wins, right, right. Of, of really taking a chunk out of institutional racism mm-hmm. and what role am I playing in this? And, and when are those moments that I, that I should have spoke up that I didn't mm-hmm. and, and all the things that, that happen mm-hmm. in that? And, and to go down that road in such a way that we go, God, we're leaning on you. Like Jesus, you're our hope every day. So I was listening to a a friend of mine's podcast and he was, he brought up Ephesians four, right? Right. My, my peace and my grace I give to you. And I just think, man, if we could handle all of this with just a little bit more grace for, for one another, you know, to know that I'm not always going to do the right thing. I'm not always going to say the right thing, but to know that, man, I'm going to, I'm going to do my absolute best to, to, do what Jesus is calling me to do. And then I can trust that Rodney's doing that. I can trust that Matt is doing that and that we're all actually moving towards the same direction, even though we're going to stumble along the way. Mm -hmm. So I guess as we kind of wrap this up, this conversation up, um, maybe Rodney, can I ask you to have the last word and then maybe just to close us in, in prayer? Sure. Thank you so much. Let me just say that uh, our ask of you is, uh, is not for you to, uh, to come along and fix the problem. Mm-hmm. I've said to our community that, uh, look, we've got to we've got to do some things ourselves, correct some things ourselves. And uh, when we are doing that, then others will come alongside of us and uh, and and uh, and join in the 
in the in the in the rebuilding of what has been torn down. Uh, it's no question that racism exists in America. It's no question uh, that white privilege has taken advantage of their privilege. Mm -hmm. uh, and so um, now it's an opportunity for all of us to do an introspective look mm -hmm. at where am I, what role have I, am I playing? And while we're doing that, seek God's wisdom and his grace mm. to help guide us so that we do uh, not just come to another moment that will polarize us, but a moment that will help to fix the ills that have plagued us. Mm. And so uh, with that, I, I just ask that you continue to pray for us. Uh, we're going to get through this. We're in mm -hmm. this together, not only the pandemic of the COVID-19, but this pandemic that has plagued us for, mm. for centuries. God, how we love you and we thank you for the privilege that you grant us through the grace that you've provided through each of us. We ask now that you would continue to walk with us and to uh, remind us that we are your own. We pray, oh God, for Matt and for the leadership of Crossroad. We pray for the ministry that you've entrusted in their hands. We pray for all of the people of Crossroad even today that you would continue to allow your spirit to rest, rule, and to abide. Stir up the gift that you've placed in each of us, and may that gift be employed to help make this world what you desire it to be. God, we ask that you would bless every church that stands open in your name. We love you today, and because of your lo our love for you, it is because you first loved us. Help us to walk in that love one towards another. How we love you, we thank you. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Rodney and Matt, for, for being with me today and having this conversation. Looking forward to, to see what comes out of everything as we move forward. Uh, once again, as always, we are on uh, Instagram. We're on Facebook. Please feel free to check us out. If you have any questions that you would like us to uh, address on this podcast, you can send it into info at crossroadsabc.com. And Matt and I would love to tackle those questions for you. Uh, other than that, have a wonderfully blessed weekend.